Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Interflex Limited 2020 third quarter conference call. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Mr. Stefan Ali. Sir, please begin. Thank you, operator, and good morning, everyone. Here with me are Mark Rossiter, Interflex's President and Chief Executive Officer, Sanjay Bishnoi, Interflex's Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, and Ben Park, Interflex's Vice President, Corporate Controller. During this call, we'll be providing our financial results for the three months ended September 30th, 2020, a brief commentary on the performance of our three business segments, and a summary of our financial position. Today's discussion will include forward-looking statements regarding Interflex's expectations for future performance and business prospects. Forward-looking information involves risks and uncertainties, and the stated expectations could differ materially from actual results for performance. For more information, please see the advisory comments within our news release, MDNA, and other regulatory filings. Approximately one hour following the completion of this call, a recording will be available on our website under the Investors section. During this call, unless otherwise stated, we'll be referring to the three months ended September 30th, 2020, compared to the same period of 2019. We'll proceed on the basis that you've all taken the opportunity to read yesterday's press release. I will now turn the call over to Mark. Thanks, Stefan, and good morning, everyone. Before discussing the quarter, I want to first thank all of Enterflex's employees for their continued positivity and commitment to safety protocols. Our people have worked diligently to limit the impact of COVID-19 on our business, allowing our facilities and assets to continue operating with minimal disruption. While our ability to maintain unrestricted access to active construction sites was challenged by governmental health and safety protocols in certain countries, we were able to complete and commission three boom projects in the quarter and expect to commission a fourth boom project in the fourth quarter of 2020, barring additional worksite access restrictions and delays. The oil and gas sector continues to see uncertainty around commodity prices, driven by the impact of COVID-19 on demand for energy products. Recent improvements in natural gas benchmark pricing is helpful for industry sentiment but will take time to translate to increases in customer capex, which is needed to drive the company's engineered systems bookings. Outside of our traditional engineered systems offerings, we are seeing increasing levels of interest in non-traditional applications, such as electrified compression and lower carbon intensity projects. While these are positives, we still anticipate that the broader weakness in engineered systems bookings will persist for at least the remainder of this year and into 2021. Our aftermarket services business continues to show resilience compared to prior downturns, supported in part by the return of North American production that was shut in during the early stages of the pandemic. AMS is most impacted when production volumes decrease, but if wells are flowing, equipment must be serviced in order to run reliably. With broader service capabilities compared to prior downturns, and service personnel in all operating regions, Interflex is better positioned to manage an AMS downturn in any single region. During the quarter, our global asset ownership platform performed well, 
with our U.S. fleet maintaining an average utilization of 81% on steady demand for contract compression. In addition, we saw contributions from boom projects in Argentina and Brazil that were commissioned in this quarter, with additional contribution from a Middle East boom expected to commence in the fourth quarter of 2020. While stability from the business line is expected, significant weakness in the commodity price environment may cause producers in the USA segment to slow production, which could affect demand for our products and services. In contrast, business in our rest of world segment is less sensitive to commodity price fluctuations, given that the drivers are more heavily linked to factors such as satisfying local electricity demand. This dynamic has translated to recent successes in Latin America including renewed interest in certain units of our Mexican rental fleet and the sale of a power and gas treating plant in Colombia that will reduce carbon emission intensity by using recaptured flare gas for local electricity generation. Similarly, we are seeing projects in the Middle East being developed to increase the role of natural gas in regional electricity generation. Interflex has identified a number of opportunities in the rest of the world segment However, the company is intent on maintaining capital discipline and in the current environment will only pursue the most attractive projects. Overall, 2020 has proven to be a difficult year for the engineered systems business with bookings and revenue down significantly from levels seen in previous years. Despite the headwinds faced by the engineered systems product line, we anticipate that the investments we've made in our asset ownership and AMS businesses will drive consistent financial performance for the remainder of 2020 and into 2021. We continue to monitor performance and outlook in all operating regions and make cost reduction decisions in response to the turbulence across the energy industry. Remaining vigilant in this regard while maintaining a defensive balance sheet should keep us well positioned to weather this downturn and succeed as the industry recovers. I will now turn things over to Sanjay to review our financial results. Thanks, Mark. Third quarter revenue of $265 million decreased substantially versus the prior year period due primarily to lower engineered systems revenue on weaker bookings through 2019 and the first half of 2020. Service revenue was down 11% due to travel restrictions related to COVID-19 and pricing pressure on certain service offerings in the U.S., while rentals improved slightly on the organic growth of our U.S. contract compression fleet, which now totals approximately 350,000 horsepower. Although gross margins decreased over the comparative quarter, gross margin percentage is consistent due to increased contributions from the recurring revenue product lines. Looking forward, the company expects gross margins from engineered systems to decrease and margin contribution from recurring revenues to make up a larger proportion of total gross margin. SG&A was lower in the quarter due to decreased compensation expense on reduced headcount and decreased profit share on lower operational results, as well as cost recoveries related to government assistance programs. In addition, cost-cutting measures have been effective in reducing travel, marketing, and non-critical IT expenditures. While Interflex remains vigilant in controlling costs across the platform, SG&A was negatively impacted by bad debt expenses from expected credit losses in the rest of world segment. The work related to the bad debt 
some of which commenced as early as 2017, was largely collected in prior periods, and the provision represents only the outstanding balance owing at September 30, 2020. Bad debt that was provided for in the second quarter of 2020 was settled in accordance with management's estimate, and the receivables and associated provision were derecognized. While headcount is down across many of the company's operating regions, Interflex has utilized available government assistance programs to mitigate job losses. Reflected in adjusted EBITDA for the quarter was $6 million related to government grants received in the Canada and rest of the world segments. We saw $18 million of capital deployed towards previously committed projects in the U.S. rental fleet and completion of international boom projects, three of which were commissioned during the quarter, with a fourth expected to be commissioned in the fourth quarter. Capital spending for 2020 is now estimated at approximately 135 to 140 million compared to the previously disclosed 125 to 130 million. The increase is primarily due to project completion costs for in-flight booms resulting from COVID-19-induced worksite access restrictions and delays. In addition, we capitalized make-ready costs for the redeployment of certain assets within our Mexican rental fleet. Working capital saw a net decrease of $56 million in the quarter in response to our slowing of supply chain transactions to align with current market conditions. Inventory levels decreased in the quarter at a faster-than-expected pace and harvesting of our accounts receivable. Remaining inventories will be realized into engineered systems projects and new contract compression units over time. Notably, these inventory items are non-perishable and are fungible across our engineered systems and rental offerings, so we can consume them in either business line globally. From a capital allocation perspective, our near-term focus is on preserving balance sheet strength and completing capital expenditure commitments related to organic rental fleet additions. Interflex has identified a number of opportunities to deploy capital globally. However, as previously stated by Mark, the company will be disciplined in the assessment and pursuit of additional projects. Interflex's board will continue to evaluate dividend payments on a quarterly basis based on the availability of cash flow and anticipated market conditions, yesterday declaring a $0.02 per share dividend to be paid on January 7, 2021. With respect to liquidity, we exited the quarter at a net debt to EBITDA of 1.2 times, which is unchanged from our position at June 30th. Our net debt decreased by $62 million in the quarter and has reduced by $80 million since March 31st, demonstrating Interflex's discipline in using cash flow to decrease net leverage. With $100 million of cash on hand and available liquidity of $567 million, we have the flexibility to manage the business through the current downturn. This completes the formal component of the webcast. Additional details can be found in our November 5th press release. We will now be happy to take any questions. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question or comment at this time, please press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. 
If your question has been answered or you wish to remove yourself from the queue, simply press the pound key. Again, if you have a question or comment at this time, please press star, then 1 on your telephone keypad. Our first question or comment comes from the line of Michael Robertson from National Bank Financial. Your line is open. Hey, good morning, gents. Thanks for taking my call. Morning. Um, I understand the challenges in this environment of offering guidance, not knowing the potential demand impact of any further waves of COVID-19. Uh, but hypothetically speaking, assuming the worst is in the rearview mirror and activity levels continue to gradually recover, do you see utilization levels for the contract compression suite hanging in at current levels, or do you expect further deterioration regardless uh, based on what you're seeing today? Michael, that's a big assumption and a lot of hypotheticals there. Um, I, and I don't really want to answer those hypotheticals directly. Um, I would say that we've had two quarters now of pretty stable utilization in the fleet. In the middle of the pandemic, it's been tough. And I, I think the prognosis for our fleet in the U.S. is more stable now than it was six or seven months ago. So we're feeling good about it, but it'd be, uh, we definitely would stop short of making any predictions about where utilization is going to go in subsequent months. Okay, fair enough. Um, in terms of pricing pressure, uh, it seems like you and your, uh, your peers in that regard are being pretty disciplined. Um, could you provide any color on sort of the, the, the sentiment and, and tone you're seeing with uh, discussions and clients right now? I, I think your, your characterization of the situation where the providers are being disciplined is quite accurate. And a lot of our customers um, in the first few months of the pandemic were very price sensitive and they still are, but they've got a high, high need for reliability and good service. And so I think the companies that can provide that um, need to get paid for that reliability and good service. And I think that's what's, what's sort of providing the stability in pricing. All right. Uh, thanks, thanks for that, Jens. I'll, uh, I'll turn it back. Thank you. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question or comment at this time, please press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. Our next question or comment comes from the line of Keith Mackey from RBC. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Just wanted to start out on the, the CapEx number. Um, so the creep due to the pandemic certainly understandable, but just wondering you know, how confident and comfortable you are in your current controls to mitigate risks as you look to increase your asset ownership, as well as you know, um, stability and assumptions around, around your returns modeling for those types of projects, what, where you take on the CapEx and you know, risk up front and, um, and, then, and then own the asset. Yeah, good morning, Keith. Uh, this is Sanjay. Um, I think, you know, we feel, we do feel good after going through, um, you know, the four projects that, that we're bringing online this year, and most of those are online, uh, and one of those is, is actually uh, in the commissioning phase now. So um, looking back at those projects, I think we feel pretty good about our underwriting process and, you know, how we've evaluated risk. I think uh, the overruns that we've seen this year are really a reflection um, of a lot of market volatility. You know, all these projects that we're spending money on uh, were signed up in, in uh, 2018, and so, uh, or excuse me, 2019. Um, and so what we've gone through in 2020, um, you know, there was really no way to sort of predict uh, what, we were, what we were gonna see uh, through the COVID pandemic. And I think we're actually, you know, quite pleasantly surprised with the execution of the team 
um, given some of the dislocations that we've experienced. Um, you know, so, so going forward, new projects, I think um, you always learn and that sort of, you know, adds to your, your bank of knowledge and allows you to de-risk projects. Um, but uh, we also feel like the four that were in flight are, you know, uh, largely behind us at this point as well. Got it. Thanks for that. And just secondly, sticking with the CapEx theme, do you have a approximate range of what you think you might spend for, for 2021, you know, especially assuming the environment does not improve? Yeah, we're still, you know, obviously uh, going through the budgeting process. So um, I think it's still a bit early for us to, to put any um, guidance down in terms of, in terms of CapEx uh, at this point, Keith. Got it. Okay. Okay. That's it for me. Thanks very much. Thanks. Thank you. Our next question or comment comes from the line of Tim Monticello from ATB Capital Markets. Your line is open. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, just one question for you guys uh, around bookings um, and, and what you're hearing from customers around 2021. Uh, some of your competitors have sort of said that green shoots are starting to appear. It might just be budgetary, and, you know, you have said that 2021 will likely be depressed, but have you seen any increase in demand around sort of gas-focused uh, drilling in Canada or the U.S. for 2021? Uh, Tim, thanks for the question. This is Mark. Uh, we've definitely been watching the quarterly releases of a lot of the drillers and fracking companies over the past couple weeks, and indeed a lot of them are signaling uh, a Q3 that was more positive than Q2. Um, and if that continues, we'll see some benefits in customer inquiries and, and orders three to six months later. I don't want to comment about our how we're feeling about our engineer systems pipeline today. We don't typically comment about that, but I think that the a lot of the macro indicators would say that there's a very muted yet positive uh, comeback in Canada and the United States. Um, we very much like the fact that we're uh, have a good customer base both in the Montney and the Permian. Those are two basins that we believe will. Um, uh, are good basins to be in, and they'll be part of the recovery as we go through this. So we're we're optimistic. Like we said in the press release, we um, have been cutting costs in our engineered systems business quite significantly because we don't really forecast a V-shaped recovery in that business. We expect it's going to be uh, lower for longer, and we're 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 adjusting our cost bases accordingly, and competing hard for anything that is in the offering. Okay. I guess we're entering sort of uncharted territory in terms of where the backlog sits. Um, yes. Could you comment a little bit about the cost structure in the engineered systems business and what level of throughput you need to see sort of break even cash flows on a quarterly basis? No, not really. We're not going to get into that level of detail, but the, the, the really the last three quarters has been very, very low for engineered systems. Um, especially it's difficult, as most people would know, coming off such a peak in 2019, it's, it's challenging for management to right-size the business as quickly as the market has right-sized the orders. Um, as Sanjay mentioned, we're right in the middle of doing a lot of capital planning for 2021 and getting those cost structures in place for what we feel will be the level of activity, not just in 2021, but really going forward in the 12 to 36-month period, 
is probably the most important thing that Interflex management is doing today. But as far as giving you sort of numbers of what break-evens are and whatnot, we don't, we, we won't uh, give that amount of detail out. Okay. And, and as you look forward and, and sort of understanding that the business is extremely cyclical and, and orders can come through pretty lumpy, um, what are the challenges that might, you might see in ramping up uh, the business again? And do you think your supply chains are, you know, properly prepared for that sort of potential ramp up? Not that it's uh, on the horizon today, but, you know, likely over the mid to long term. Yeah, Tim, the most inelastic resource when it comes to growing again, coming out of a downturn, is our people, our engineers and our designers and our craft labor. Um, and therein lies the rub of trying to fix a cost structure, um, because if you cut too deep on the people, your ability to snap back is, some, is significantly limited. I don't see an issue in the supply chain. Um, you know, talking to a lot of our bigger suppliers, they're chomping at the bit to get going. Um, engines, compressors, air coolers, and indeed all the, the welded fabricated equipment. We haven't seen a real problem with any of the supply chain out of China, which is where a lot of the valves and piping and whatnot comes from. So I don't see a problem with the supply chain. What Interflex management has to do is make sure that we thread that needle between getting our cost structure right to be competitive going forward and provide the kind of returns our investors want, but also hanging on to that real talent that allows us to outperform the competition coming out of, the, out of the, uh, this pandemic-induced downturn. So it's a challenge, but we've done it before. This is a, is a deeper, longer than what we're used to, but um, we're, we're on it is the best I can say without being too flippant. Okay, great. And um, sorry, just one more. I won't try to take up too much time here, but could you guys just comment a little bit around the co about your comment on the electrified compression and sort of all other alternative demand sources? Like, you know, what's the size today? I'm imagining it's re relatively small. How, how do you see that playing out going forward? It's we're, um, we're very interested in seeing how it plays out, uh, Tim. There's. Um, it's really customers are thinking about either their scope one or scope two CO2 emissions. If they buy an engine-driven package, they're going to add CO2 emissions to their scope one. If they get an electric drive, they're going to add it to scope two. And it's interesting for us to see how our customers are going to start making business decisions based on those because in North America, there's not a lot of actual financial impacts of moving emissions from a scope one to a scope two. Um, some people are looking to go electric because they're planning for potential carbon tax in the future, I suppose, but it's difficult for us to understand exactly what's driving those, those decisions. Um, a lot of the decision around electric versus engine-driven compression, it does come down to OPEX, that you maybe trade some natural gas consumption and a little bit more complicated operations on an engine drive unit for something that's a little bit simpler on electric drive, but now you've got to buy electricity. So, and that's very specific to the grid where people are operating the, the economics of gas versus electric drive in that location. Uh, we've been building electric drive compression for over 20 years, so it's not new to us. I think what we'll be watching for is, is any shifts wholesale in going electric drive in the big basins that we've been operating in over the course of the next 6 to 12 months. Um, but it's not a capability that we need to work on. We have it in spades already. So. If the customers would like to shift some of their attention to electric drive, we're ready. Okay. And I guess just to follow on on that, does that give you reason to pause or think about 
how you go forward building out your, your rental fleet? I wouldn't say it gives us pause, but it's definitely, it's definitely in consideration when we talk to a lot of our customers that are, that are looking for rental services. Um, so we, we don't think that the engine drive is going the way of the Dodo anytime soon. Um, but, you know, there's more people that would like to talk about what uh, electric-driven rentals look like. Okay, great. I'll turn it back. Thank you. I'm sure no additional questions in the queue at this time. I'd like to turn the conference back over to Mr. Mark Rossiter for any closing comments. Uh, since there are no further questions, I'd like to once again thank you for joining us in the call. We look forward to giving you our fourth quarter results in February. Um, Remembrance Day is next week on Wednesday, Veterans Day in the United States, Remembrance Day in the British Commonwealth. Interflex will be taking that day off in Canada, and we will for a long time. We're going to honor that as a stat holiday as long as I've got a say in the matter. I would like to recognize um, people in the United States, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, whose ancestors um, should be remembered from their contributions in World War I that finished 102 years ago uh, next Wednesday. And as we take that day off to consider those sacrifices, it really puts the sacrifices of the last year in the middle of the pandemic in perspective. So again, thanks everybody for uh, calling and uh, we look forward to talking to you in February. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for participating in today's conference. This concludes the program. Give me now disconnect. Everyone, have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.